And we're back on the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast with Podcast Guy. Wow, thanks for having me, man. Be talking to some of the fans up in the, the Pacific Northwest. Your Demi got him. Yeah. Pretty good, darling. Pretty good. Yo! We're the Voros twins. They know we like PCO to the horror show. Freaking me out, man. <laughs> Freaking me out, yo. We are leaving the station. L Train, take us out. Hey, yo, this is the L-Train, and we are back for the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast, episode 185. Who would have thunk that uh, so many years ago? But, uh, dude, this week I got the wrestling genius, the one and only uh, Daniel Maccabe, and it's a fabulous uh, show. We get into the pandemic, you know, music, uh, some records he recommends, uh, talking about his, uh, you know, he's only been to practice a few times over the last uh, year now, and uh, 2020 and 2019 opponents and a whole lot more, but before we get there, Man, um, you know, almost three years ago now, on April 24th, 2018, I sent a little DM over Twitter. You know, I started this podcast, and it was going. I was like, you know, maybe I should try to get a little sponsorship for this thing. And I sent a, a message, and the folks got right back to me. And uh, you know what? Who's better to come on the opening this week than uh, my good friends over at Nacho Mama's Seattle, uh, Chris, Sandra, how you guys doing tonight? Ow, 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 ow. Whoa. We're good. Whoa, you guys are excited, man. I'm good to hear it. <laughs> good to talk to you guys, man. How are you guys tonight? Fabulous. Couldn't be better. Fabulous and couldn't be better, but but you know, things been weird lately, but uh haven't been out to uh check you guys out in a while and get all those amazing specials that we talk about each and every week here. You know, the last so many weeks I've been able to bring on uh, producer Rob and uh, and a few other people that, you know, it's not coming to my mind yet because apparently yeah. I haven't drank enough wine yet, so I can't remember <laughs> each and every person. We love seeing but, producer uh, Rob. You know, we really miss seeing you at the track, but mostly we miss Mrs. Clams. <laughs> yeah. You know, Mrs. Clams has basically left the podcast. She's on to bigger and better things with her books that she's been writing, which are for sale on Amazon, by the way. Anyway, I shouldn't do that. She gets mad when I do that on the podcast. I don't know how she writes them so fast. She's a professional. And plus, you know, I, you know, she, that's, you know, she don't, that's why I'm out here doing podcasts, dude. Like she has no time for me. Yeah. No, no. We all split, uh our time wisely these days. I used to not split my time wisely on these podcasts either. I'd be up late, you know, one in the morning doing my, you know, reads and all my other stuff, but we've kind of, uh, worked it out more lately, man. But, uh, yeah, I do miss you guys, man. Uh, especially hitting you up at, uh, no boat brewing. I know you've guys been there, but, uh, we ain't got out much lately. We're, we're these old people that don't get out much. Yeah, it's hard. We don't get out a whole lot either. We try and have the occasional adventure, <laughs> but try and be safe. Well, you know, I got to get a few things to talk about, but there was one thing I saw in your, um, your social media a while ago. Didn't you guys deliver a whole bunch of homemade brownies that you guys did to uh, some folks? Yeah, we've been delivering a bunch of brownies to Swedish Hospital for all the, the nurses and doctors and healthcare workers there. See, I kind of had to put you on the spot for that because as a person that works in healthcare, <laughs> for you guys to be doing something like that, that's um, completely amazing because that's not easy. That's a lot of hard work making a whole mess of brownies to uh, deliver people deliver to people. So uh, thank you for guys what you do. I mean, when did you uh, decide to do this? And uh, you know, how long does it make take to make some brownies to take to Swedish Hospital? Uh, it's 
it does take quite a few hours because we, we make the brownies and then we have to... It's individually wrapping them that yeah. is tedious. Oh, yeah. Making them so nice. You have to wrap them in these little teeny packages, you know, because of COVID. We don't yeah. want to put them in a big plate or anything. But what you guys do, like all the healthcare workers are doing so much right now. And I just feel like everyone's asking so much of them and they're taking so much risk. And I don't know, it just feels good for us, you know, to try and give something back. Dude, for that's... Sure. Um... I'm sorry, did I cut somebody off there? No, you're good. Okay, it happens sometimes, you know. Especially, you know, we were trying to do the kind of thing face-to-face, and our internet just didn't seem to kind of uh, gauge there. But anyway, but, uh, you know, that's just got to be the healthcare workers, when they look at you guys deliver those brownies, if you see them, they must be just, uh, you know, overjoyed a little bit. I'm not trying to put you on spot and say, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know, because I know you guys do it because it's uh, you love to do it, you know, and you're doing it for good people. Last time they sent us a bunch of pictures, they looked really happy. So that, that was really cool. It. Yeah. Oh man, there was a <clears throat> a coffee stand that's down by um, Valley Medical Center, and, and I feel bad because I can't remember the name of it right now because it just came to my head. They delivered my clinic where I work, where there's probably forty people. Yeah. They like delivered mochas for everyone. Like you let them know on a list what you wanted before. So they brought That's coffees really cool. and mochas That's and all nice. that kind of stuff, just kind of delivered it to us for the day. So, uh, and then we got some Dick's hamburgers one time. And so nice. there's so many people, <laughs> Hey, nothing's wrong with Dick's hamburgers. I mean, man, yeah. <laughs> if you're not getting some nachos, you might have, might as well have some Dick's burgers. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. But, uh, it's just amazing. So people like yourselves and, and the folks that I just mentioned, um, man, just hats off to, uh, to yourselves for doing what you do. Okay, but you definitely need to give yourself a pat on the back <laughs> for what you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's it's tough. I had my uh, six weeks off last uh, March where I kind of stayed home and didn't know what to do with myself. But back since then, been back up and strong. And, uh, you know, with the, the vaccines going live, I'm taking more calls. I'm seeing more people. And, uh, you know, we're working nice. it out. And we're trying to keep people flowing. It's hard. But, uh, man, uh, you know, thanks for saying that. But uh, enough about me. People don't listen to this podcast about me. What I want to ask you guys, you know, I'd ask you before, I think one time I came to the trailer, the food truck, I don't know what you guys call it, your home maybe, but, uh, yeah, you know, your second home. I, I brought the thing and I asked you, you know, about, you know, nachos and the story where you guys kind of met and stuff like that. But, uh, where are you guys from? Are you guys from here in the Northwest area? And, uh, you know, let's hear from each of you. Sandra was born here in Kirkland. And I was born in uh, Fountain Valley, California, but my family moved up here when I was three years old. So pretty much our whole lives we've been here. And we met like in junior high. Yeah, we went to the same junior high and high school and we both worked at Safeway together, but we were pretty shy at the time and didn't really talk much. Wait, wait, sorry. I have to interrupt. You guys (laughs) moved up here and you met in junior high. And as soon as you guys were old enough to have jobs, you worked in the same Safeway. We yeah. did. We worked in the same Safeway. And then Chris's family got opened a restaurant in yeah. Redmond. And I was just out there in a, back in the day in a phone booth. <laughs> and Chris came out with a glass of chocolate milk and knocked on the phone booth and gave me a glass of chocolate milk when I was on the phone. <laughs> and the rest is history. We were married three months later. <laughs> chocolate milk. You're serious. You brought out some chocolate milk to this guy. And, I poured uh, this glass of chocolate milk for myself, and then I looked at it, and I looked up, and I saw Sandra out standing out there, and something just 
click. I don't know. I just went out and asked her if she wanted some chocolate milk. All right. So <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's great. So the chocolate milk led one thing to another. You know, it's very romantic, the chocolate milk, apparently, uh, for you folks. We were children. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, so you guys, are you, are your boyfriend, girlfriend at this point after chocolate milk? So, yeah. so a few days after chocolate milk, Sandra was working at Starbucks at the time. And so I went into Starbucks and stood in line. It was like 20 deep. It was back in the day when there was only like, you know, a handful of Starbucks. So the line used to be really long. Yeah. And I was working the register and Chris was like probably the 20th customer. And he was, I could see him working his way up the line. Right. And he asked me out when he gets to the top of the line and everyone in the line starts clapping when I say yes. <laughs> 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 embarrassing <laughs> so wow that's like uh, you're just put on the spot right there he's in front of all these people and he does mm-hmm. something like that <laughs> like how do you say no yeah and then once <laughs> we started dating we were just inseparable after that well what was there was the the nacho story in here somewhere right like you guys went for nachos <laughs> and then it's well, like the first date so we went on a date after the coffee shop incident <laughs> <laughs> and uh i ordered nachos on our first date and he thought I was like sharing them, like I was ordering him for the table. I was like, no, oh. this is actually my dinner. <laughs> and so did he kind of try, you know, reach across and start getting a little bit of the nachos and you'd be like, shut him down. Like, <laughs> no, man, like you got your dinner over there, bro. I ordered a clam ling- linguine and then she ordered the nachos. And I thought maybe she was just trying to order the cheapest thing on the menu to be nice. And I'm like, no, I'm like, get whatever you want. Like, <laughs> she's like, I want nachos. <laughs> you're, you're, you're lucky she didn't send you down the road for ordering clam linguine. <laughs> and she's over here, you know, ordering up some nachos and things like that. I mean, like, oh, what was it, Sandra, at that point? Like, all right, he ordered the clam linguine, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, what kind of nachos were those that night? Um, they were a chicken nacho, and I remember thinking the thing that stood out in my mind was that they had the sour cream that was blended with salsa. And then at, at that point, I started thinking, I remember thinking about different varieties of nachos at that point, how crazy it is. But I remember it as a moment. <laughs> well, let me ask one thing. You mentioned uh, one of your parents, was it Chris's that had the restaurant? Yeah. Yep. Um, is the restaurant still there, number one? And what kind of restaurant was it? It was an Italian restaurant. It was called Frankie's Pizza and Pasta in Redmond. And I worked there since I was like 17. And then shortly after we started dating, Sandra started working yeah. there. So I worked there for like 21 years and Chris worked there for like 20, 23 years. 23, yeah. And, um, what? Say that again. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Say those, say those years again. 23 and what? You had 23 years for me and 21 years for Sandra work yeah. in those in that restaurant so this is is this where you guys kind of learn how to do everything restaurant wise cooking wise you know doing your thing wise definitely and i guess we get our rhythm you know we know like we don't have to talk much in the kitchen anymore it's yeah. like there's you know there's a vibe there's a there's a juju yeah. <laughs> we spent a lot of nights there working you know shorthanded like so the two of us are both used to doing six people's jobs at once, you know? So, <laughs> so in the food truck, it's, it's easy. <laughs> so, like, you know, it was your parents. So were they the ones that kind of taught you guys, 
you know, how to do all this? Was there other people that worked there that kind of took you aside and showed you what to do? Or is like, just figure it out. Oh yeah. I just started back in the, when I first started, I was just doing pizza and dishes and prep. Um, Sandra started cooking as a child, her, her grandmother and mom were just awesome cooks. So Sandra's been cooking her whole life and I didn't really start cooking until working at the restaurant. So who cooks at home? Sandra does not let me touch anything I in do the not kitchen. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I got pushed out of the way, threatened with knives. <laughs> wow, that's a pretty rough situation right there, man. Um, so why is this, Sandra, that the uh, the old man at home can't uh, you know hit in the kitchen and do his thing for you? Oh wow, Chris tried. There's a few meals he's made me in our life, maybe five or six of them I can think of. And literally when Chris wants to cook for me, he wants to cook the hardest thing and the most extravagant thing. And so he starts the meal and I think we're going to eat it like, let's say seven. It doesn't happen till midnight. (laughs) And the kitchen is destroyed and he has the most expensive ingredients. It's just just a nightmare for me. When I... I just want a simple food. I'd be really happy with this something chicken sandwich. I don't know. And he's trying to impress me and wow me. And really, it's just like driving me nuts. <laughs> well, it sounds like the man is just trying to make you happy. He's and, trying uh, to woo. Yeah. He's trying to get, you know. <laughs> hey, hey. And that's great to hear because you could tell him that after all these years you've been together and you guys are just laughing your asses off. <laughs> Oh man, how many years you guys been married? If I don't, uh, if you don't mind me asking, gosh, are we at twenty four? We were married in ninety seven. What what year is it right now? Twenty three. Ninety seven. You guys been married since nineteen ninety seven. I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know if I was wiping right ninety seven. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. like God, man. That's like, man. What, what's the secret? I'm on my second marriage, by the way. With Mrs. Clam. <laughs> Not with Mrs. I mean, this is my second marriage. I had another person before. That was kind of the practice thing. No disrespect. Yeah. Just didn't end well and that kind of stuff. Just drifted. But now I'm with the love of my life. But uh, do you guys have secrets? I mean, not secrets. No. What is the secret to marriage? I think a lot of people have, like expect a lot from the other person. But if you expect a lot, you have to give a lot. You know, you have to put something oh, yeah. into it every day. And you have to really care and try and. You can't ever stop doing that, you know? Oh, man, you got to just keep uh, keep it all going, you know, whatever, you know, romance and communication. I think the communication is, see, that why I'm setting in now. The communication is the uh, <laughs> the, the best thing, you know. You just got to yeah. talk it out. And beer and wine helps, too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> see? Sure. This week with nacho mamas and lyle but uh anyway man uh, oh man so just real quick man uh where did the food truck start and uh tell us the story of how that has uh started and uh you know expanded and you know the evolution of nacho mamas seattle yeah as soon as our family restaurant we found out it was closing down sandra and i just decided you know to do the food truck we love feeding people and cooking and we had a different, we had a million different ideas of what food trucks we were going to do. We had like a fried rice food truck. We had all these like 
I used to do a lot of wine dinners, plan them. So then I had all these wine menus that I was going to go outside wineries every day. And I just didn't understand how I was going to be able to do it, just the two of us. Like every menu was just too complicated, right? Yeah. So then I was really frustrated. And Chris came to us, to me. I went to take a shower. And Chris came to the shower and said, <laughs> Sandra, just make a nacho menu of all crazy nachos. <laughs> and then, I don't know, we were like, yeah. And he goes, and we'll call it Nacho Mamas. And I go, it's ridiculous. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just have to ask. He came to you when you're in the shower with this idea. Yeah, it was urgent. It was right away because he knew I was really frustrated about nothing working. Uh, <laughs> see, that's perfect though. A great idea comes while you're like getting your relax on in the shower, you know, on the steam <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. You know, and we'll, we won't mention anything else after that. What happened in the shower? You know. But anyway, uh, man, you guys are phenomenal. But uh, you know what else is phenomenal? And we should probably do it. We should probably do this thing. We should probably tell the people what's happening here come February 3rd through February the 7th. And if you guys want to just do your thing, jump in, give us the specials, the the locations, baby. Here are my good friends here at Nacho Mamas, Chris and Sandra. <laughs> All right, come and find us this week. And on Wednesday the 3rd, we're going to be at Black Raven Brewing in Redmond from 4 to 6.30. On Thursday, we're going to be at Optimism Brewing on Capitol Hill from 5 to 8. On Friday, we're going to be at Lyle's favorite hangout, Novo no Brewing. Woo! From <laughs> 4 to 8. On Sunday, we're going to be at Ridgecrest Public House and the Drumlin and Shoreline from 5 to 8. And the specials, we're going to make some fantastic nachos with Fontina cheese sauce and either marinated pork belly or yeah. marinated tofu with pho seasoning, pickled jalapenos, chipotle mayo, pickled red Ooh. onions, and cilantro. And then we're making a sweet potato winter ale soup uh, that's also really good with marinated pork belly and the sage oil and mint cheesecake swirl brownies. Mint cheesecake swirl brownie, people. If you didn't hear him say that, goddamn, go get one. <laughs> get one of everything. Everything on the menu, man. You got so many hot sauces. What were, weren't there some new ones coming this week? Yeah, we just came out with one called Black is My Heart that's got imperial stout, black garlic, medjool dates. It's just super dark and rich, kind of a mild. Full of unami. Yeah. Mm. Mild heat. It's really good. We just came out with one. Jimmy. Yeah, a chimichurri-inspired hot sauce. That one's kind of more of a mellow one. And we've got one called um, Scorched. And we or no charred. Charred. Yeah. <laughs> we charred a bunch of uh, jalapenos, no serranos, uh, pineapple, and onions. We kind mm. of blackened all those and then fermented that for a couple of weeks. And that one's really good. And a little bit hot. Yeah, that one's really hot. Man, sounds all fantastic, man. So, uh, what's the website that we check into? www.nachomamasseattle.com and the social media. Insta and Facebook at Nacho Mama Seattle, Twitter at Nacho Mama's SEA. Hashtag Nacho Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That was amazing. It's, you know, to have the people that are serving it up hot and fresh every week here to finally do the read on this very podcast is 
freaking amazing man thank you guys <laughs> so much uh also you guys got a little merch sitting there on the uh, on the truck right when you whip in you got some shirts you got some some hats and some pins still we do we got some nacho mama's drinking team pins drinking team we got we got some nachos and beer hats some nacho mama's hats some extra large bandanas drinking team bandanas. yeah oversized bandanas good for dogs and humans yeah <laughs> got some stickers mm. and we're hoping to Order some uh, drinking team pint glasses this week. Uh-oh. Well, tell the old L train when the drinking team uh, pint glasses come. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> I want to be there front and center for that. But, man, I hope I can uh, hook up with you guys again uh, one of these weeks uh, at one of these amazing breweries. If not, you know, no broat. But uh, after this pandemic's done, man, we got to sit down to a, a meal and maybe a couple bottles of wine. Me, you... The both, or I should say, me, Mrs. Clams, and the both of you. That sounds That's awesome. Magical. Hey, just real quick before uh, we end this here, next week's show, I'm going to talk with Aaron from Reactivate Professional Wrestling. Uh, we're going to talk about support all pro wrestling's Northwest Showcase, man. And uh, real quick, I got it here on Facebook just to announce that date. That will be Saturday, February 27th at 8 p.m. You can watch that on uh, on Twitch. So uh, check in next week. And uh, you can hear that guy. And uh, uh, Chris, Sandra, before we head off tonight, what uh, what do the people need to know? What do you guys want to say? Anything uh, before we head off into that great nacho sunset this evening? I'd just like to thank all the people for all the support. We've had a lot of people from this podcast come out and visit us, and it's it's really nice, you know, especially during these times. Thank you so much. Aw, shucks. That was so nice. <laughs> but anyway, and the other thing I had to ask before we go, Amanda, do you guys feel danger from uh, Nacho Daddies down there in Las Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it doesn't. I, it does irritate me. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that when I was in Vegas and we were just walking. I'm like. Does that say what it is, Kim? And she's like, yeah, let's go in. <laughs> so it was Kim that forced me to eat these nachos. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sandra. My friends always say they're going to open up a truck and call it Papa's, Papa's Tacos and travel right behind us. <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect, guys. Man, thanks for coming on tonight. Uh, again, I can't wait to, to see you again soon. Thank you guys so much for supporting this podcast. And I've said it. Said it? I've said it a million times. Maybe not a million times on the podcast. I don't know if there's been that many words yet. But <laughs> there would be no Bigfoot wrestling, Pro Wrestling Podcast without Nacho Mamas Seattle. Anyway, you guys have a great night, and uh, we'll see you soon. We are leaving, leaving the, the station. L-Train, take us out. Yo, this is the L-Train. We are back for another great Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast. And tonight, I have a guy that's been on here a few times, and he had an amazing 2019, a great start to 2020. It is the one and only Daniel Makabe, man. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for, for having me. I, uh, it's been a little over two years since uh, I was last on, and uh, I appreciate you were, you were definitely one of the first uh, people to reach out to me and, and have me on your show back in the day, and... Uh, it's been a little while, but I've, I've certainly done some things and seen some sights, and uh, and now I'm back here in the Northwest, and I'm happy to talk to a fellow uh, uh, Cascadian, I guess, uh, such as myself, and uh, yeah, it's uh, a nice night to do so. 
Oh, man, I, I appreciate it so much that you uh, had time to give to us tonight. You know, you've been on here uh, twice before, number 90 and number uh, 54. This is number 184 that uh, this is going to be released. So, man, uh, I appreciate That's wild. you well, we, returning. We've come so far, Lyle, both of us. So. <laughs> well, hey, I appreciate you saying that about me. But, man, the 2019 you had, the what was of 2020 that you had was really amazing. I was kind of looking back at stuff, and I'm like, man. I'd love to talk to Daniel again about uh, what he's been doing, all these great matches, these great opponents. Uh, you know, I got to see you on TV, on uh, IWTV. I got you see, got to see you in person at Without a Cause. So, uh, man, it's just been fabulous. But uh, wrestling aside, man, how's the weather up there in uh, New Westminster tonight? Uh, you know what? It's, it's okay. It's, uh, it's not raining. So, I, I mean, you know well uh what it's like <laughs> up here in the northwest um it's really not all that different in u.s as it, as it is from uh from the greater seattle area I, I joke that uh you know whatever is happening in seattle will probably have the same thing three hours later so um i can't complain it's not snowing and uh and uh i'm i'm healthy and uh and all my family is healthy and and we're doing what we can to uh survive through these these trying times and uh but yeah i can't really complain all that much well let me ask you about that lee you said it's not snowing is this usually the time of year you'd get some snow there uh i guess yeah i mean you it's similar to to seattle i feel like we get like a week's worth of snow and it's and the entire city shuts down and 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 no one knows how to drive in it um, <laughs> because we just don't get it. And then and then it goes away. And then that, that's kind of it. So, um, yeah, like it's usually like late January, early February. We get a little bit of snow and, and that's it. But I'm, I'm born and raised in, in this area. And um, I don't love snow. You know, I, I, people say, you know, I, I love snow for so pretty or um you know it's fun for the kids or, or whatever but i'm a, an adult who has to drive to work and uh and i grew up uh kind of used to the rain uh which <laughs> we're certainly known for here in in british columbia and so uh, i'm quite happy for it to be to be wet out uh and and not have to deal with the white stuff <laughs> yeah i'm more of a weekend kind of snow guy when i ain't got to get to work you know i like kind of Oh, it's snowing outside. I can sit here and drink my uh, coffee or tea and put the, the, the shade up and just watch it come down. But when it's time to drive to work, you know, not as much fun as I want to have. Actually, you know what? I, I had an ideal situation with snow yesterday. Like as we're, as we're recording this, it, it snowed here yesterday for about 90 minutes uh, in, in the morning. I was sitting in my living room. I was doing some stretching and I was doing some yoga and I was looking out the window and it was very pretty. And, and picturesque as the snow was falling. And then by the time I had finished uh, my workout and had a shower and went out to my car to, to go out and run some errands, the snow had turned to rain and everything had melted away. So that was that was an ideal snow situation for me yesterday afternoon. But uh, but uh, I, I we'll get some eventually. It, it, we always get at least a week of it, but, but uh, I'd rather not. Oh, I think we're supposed to get, you know, that, you know, 
quarter of a quarter inch this week here in uh, this area, which makes half the people can't drive. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, man, just because there's a lot of hills, I guess. Uh, is it very hilly where you are? Is it pretty much flat? Or? No, Newest Minster is brutal. It's got really bad hills. It's uh, Newest Minster is right on uh, the Fraser River, which runs uh, from the Pacific Ocean inland into central British Columbia. And um, kind of our, our main kind of uh, downtown hub is right on the river. And then you go up some of the steepest hills around. Uh, and then the, the rest of Newest Minster is uptown, uphill. And, and I'm kind of right at the crest of the hill, actually. The neighborhood that I live in is, um, is called the brow of the hill. It's kind of uh, right as, as the hill crests and things flatten out. But uh, if I were to go... Uh, go for a walk down into downtown to its minster and, and grab a coffee or, or whatever. Uh, that walk uphill is a, uh, it's a knee killer for sure. <laughs> and uh, I've definitely had lots of people who've come to visit me who, uh, who would prefer that I, I drive them around town if, if they're here because uh, yeah, newest minster is known for our, for our Hills actually. So, uh, you know, you've been to downtown Seattle, obviously. Uh, certainly have walked up some of those Hills too. You bet. Yeah. What, what does and that sa- compare? Sam- what does that compare? So I'm sorry. Just what, what did that compare uh, to where you're from, to the hills in downtown Seattle? Uh, downtown Seattle's worse, but <laughs> but Newest Minster, as far as uh, Greater Vancouver, Newest Minster uh, probably has the worst hills in in the area. So. Oh man, I remember. Um, you know, I was in my very early uh, 20s, growing up in Capitol Hill. Me and my buddy Jeff shared a uh, roach crot, a roach infested apartment is what i'm trying to say man i'm having problems tonight with my my thing i'll have to smooth it out here but uh and uh we just went out and checked out all the bands but um when it snowed the best thing to do was go over to the hills where the buses and all the other cars ran and just put a couple beers in your pocket and just kind of stand there and they kind of just like kept swerving and sliding and you know people were get out of laws that you know didn't smash or anything where anyone got hurt but most people just kind of slid over and just stopped into the side and it was just kind of a a lot of fun as a young not mature person to watch <laughs> i was gonna say you got some serious schadenfreude going on there but that's okay i, I get it uh yeah no i've uh I, I don't think i've had too much issue driving in in seattle knock on wood there was a show i remember there was a really bad snowstorm in february of 2019 uh-huh. and uh there was a show in seattle that i was booked on that i ended up not going down to because of how bad the roads were and that and that was one one of the worst snowstorms i recall uh, that actually shut down uh big chunks of seattle at the time so and did you make it all the way to the uh, gym for that show no, no, we can't. We canceled. We didn't drive. We didn't drive down. I didn't. Uh, yeah, we bailed on the show. Most of the roster bailed on the show, and I think maybe thirty people showed up right, that night too. Right. right. Yeah. Because I think I remember yeah. right that show still happened. You could kind of check it out on Twitch. But yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty sparse, man. But uh, man, uh, you know, things have changed. This pandemic's been hitting, like we were talking a few minutes ago. But uh, you know, how did this personally kind of uh, hit you? Did, were you still be able to? you know, were you able to hit work, you know, you didn't lose your income and things like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was inconvenienced like, like everyone else kind of was, but as far as the the big picture things, um, not so much, you know, I am, I'm pretty lucky in that, um, I, I, like I said, I still have 
been going into work every day, working my my regular nine to five, and um, everyone in my in my life, my immediate family and and friends have uh, have all been healthy and, and lucky that way. Um, so yeah, it's all the you know it's all the the little things that kind of make us uh, tick and the, the things that we get excited for on the weekends and the evenings and, and that sort of stuff. That's, that's all been affected by, by this, but um, for the most part, you know, it, my, my regular day-to-day life has, has been pretty, pretty standard and, and formulaic. Now, obviously wrestling wasn't uh, the case. And, and this is something that I've, I've said publicly before, but um, you know, the beginning of 2020, I, I had quite a bit on, on my, my plate. Um, through, you know, WrestleMania weekend was supposed to go down in Tampa and uh, a couple big shows here in the Northwest that we're, we're going to go down. Mm-hmm. And then I actually was going to take a self-imposed sabbatical um, probably for the months of May, June, and July. That was my plan for 2020. I had some nagging injuries. I had a, a back injury that was bothering me, some issues in my neck, and uh, and my knee is always bothering me i've had knee issues since i was a teenager but um i was planning on taking three months off having kind of a killer killer spring and then taking some time off and then coming back kind of in the middle of summer for some big shows that i had lined up and uh, and hopefully feeling recharged and and being healthy and all that good stuff and little did i know that uh the rest of the world had some some other things in mind and uh <laughs> and that's the medical turned from three months to uh you know, the better part of, of a year now with a little bit of a, a blip in the middle there. But, but yeah, for the most part, I haven't been working regularly for, uh, we're coming up on almost a, a full year now. So, Oh man. And you know, missing the shows and all that kind of stuff. And, um, what have you been trying to do to kind of keep up, uh, you know, how hard was it to train? You know, you can't go to the gym, but maybe you do most of your stuff at home doing yoga and things like that. I don't know. And then also, you know, dieting things like that you got to cook everything at home but i don't know if you were did you cook at home did you order out a lot i know you're a, a vegan type of person so uh kind of yeah, break down that yeah. piece for us uh, i mean i'm a vegetarian um i i do a little bit of both um things shut down here but the one thing i will say is you know british columbia our, our numbers were uh significantly better than than most areas in the united states if, if not all of the united states so um our, our restrictions were maybe a little bit um, more strict to begin with. And then I think people just took it a little bit more serious here. So um, so most things are, are open, at least for takeout. So mm. no issues as far as getting food or going to the grocery store. I remember, you know, when, when things kind of all went down, I was actually in Europe um, working some shows in Germany and England oh. and seeing on the news or seeing online, you know, the people like the grocery stores running out of things or running out of produce and running out of toilet paper and, and, you know, that initial pandemic craziness that we all kind of experienced that was almost a year ago. That's wild. It doesn't Mm. feel like it was that long ago, but um, in some ways it feels like it was way longer actually. Um, (laughs) And so when I first got back from, from Europe going to the grocery store, and, and sort of seeing all the things that were, you know, I read about and sort of like, oh, oh crap, they actually are out of toilet paper and and uh, like not having the full selection of produce. Like I remember buying certain vegetables that I normally wouldn't buy, but just having to get something because that's all they had, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, 
but but otherwise, you know, like cooking's been fine, just like anyone else. I'm, you know, I'm a, a creature of habit, and uh, and if you don't have something, you know, really a goal in mind, you know, if like I don't have a big match in mind, I'm not necessarily working out my regular routine because I don't need to necessarily keep in the same kind of shape. So <laughs> I'm just like anyone else in that I've, I've put on some some pandemic weight for sure, and I'm not in in the kind of shape that, that I'd like to be as far as when I need uh, where I need to be to, to have a, a really great wrestling match. You know, my cardiovascular needs to be at a, at a certain level. Um, and, and so, you know, you know, certain things, there's been periods of things being open. You know, there's a, a really great wrestling school mm. up here in Vancouver, the, the Lionsgate dojo that, that I've attended classes at. And when things were open kind of more in the summer and in, in the early fall, but, you know, they've been closed down again since the beginning of November. And so uh, it hasn't been so easy to, to keep to a routine. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I really don't have much on the horizon uh, in the meantime. And, and when I do, I'll, I'll find the uh, I'll work up the nerve to uh, to push my home workouts a little bit harder than that than I have been. But in the meantime, I'm just kind of taking it easy and and uh, trying to. Uh, keep the mind in a in a positive headspace and and do what whatever else is doing, you know. Just you know, real quick, was there any issues on that uh, traveling home from Europe? Since that was just announced, as your did you get in and out before all that got shut down? No, so like you know, I was I was a part of of uh, probably the biggest shows I've ever been on WXW and their sixteen carat weekend last year, and that was the the first weekend of March. And actually, you know, they're, they're the biggest shows I've ever been a part of. You know, the Saturday night was 1,600 people in the Turban Hall in Oberhausen. And, um, you know, all three nights were, were over 1,000 hmm. people each night. And, and just some amazing shows and, and amazing crowds to be able to wrestle in front of. I was very lucky to, to have that opportunity. Um, and then the Monday after that weekend is when Germany said, okay, no events with any more than 1,000 people in attendance. And so, you know, had they made that decree a couple of days earlier, none of it would have happened. Uh, and then the following weekend, I was on a couple shows in England, mm-hmm. and and England was pretty notorious about being a, a latecomer to to closing things down and having restrictions. So those shows went off without a hitch, no problem whatsoever. You know, should they have been? Maybe not, but they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then all the while, I have you know. My parents and and my girlfriend at home messaging me saying, you know, you you really should consider coming home now. You might not get back oh. into the country, and there there might be a big issue. And and they were very concerned, but I was fairly confident that it wasn't going to be an issue. And honestly, I recall, you know, I I landed in Toronto initially, and it was literally just some um, you know airport security uh, saying. Oh well, have you have you been in contact with anyone who was sick? Do you feel sick? No. Okay. Well, welcome back to Canada. That was kind of it. And then it wasn't even like government mandated that I had to quarantine when I got home. It was my work mandated uh-huh. that I had to quarantine when I got home. It was still so you know we we were so naive in the you know the dawning of the, of the COVID era. We really didn't know what this all meant and, and what we all had to do as far as the safety aspect of things. So, 
um, we were just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. And yeah, it was my work who said, no, you better stay home for two weeks before you come back. It wasn't even, um, you know, the government of Canada. Now, subsequently, I've traveled to the United States once last fall for, for wrestling. And, and at that point, it was the government of Canada who said, okay, no, you have to stay home for, for two weeks when you, when you return. But, uh, but initially, no, it was, uh, it was kind of all unknown and new and, uh, and I was going to say fun, but it was not fun. Well, it, <laughs> uh, I'm sure it was different. It was different. We were kind of figuring out what we were doing. Right. 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 I remember at first, you know, Oh, we got to wear masks. Oh, don't worry about masks. And then we went back to masks, which we've been ever since. Man, uh, you know, how did that affect you, though? I mean, does do you still get paid? Do you have enough leave? I mean, are you just going without pay for two and three weeks when you have to quarantine? Uh, I mean, y- yes and no. Like, I I have a pretty good job. We don't need to go into that. But so so I I've I've been I've been fine. Uh, yeah, money hasn't been an issue, and and leave hasn't been an issue, but. But, but yeah, I mean, there were, there were definitely big chunks uh, of time that I had to take off without, without, uh, you know, without getting covered. Like, and and unfortunately I don't have a job that I can, uh, I can work from home. So, so it is what it is. I, you know, I try to be positive and there's a lot of people out there who have a lot, a lot worse situation than, than I, I did. So, um, you know, I made it work and, and I, um, I've got no complaint that it, it's life experience as far as I'm concerned. Oh man, it's, it's been a crazy ride, but, uh, you know, kind of got to just take it in as it is and, uh, and move on, man. My thing was I was off work for about six weeks. My, you know, I work in a, um, uh, primary care facility for people, you know, you come and see your, you know, your primary doctor, the guy that takes care of you, the guy or girl that takes care of you. And, uh, they said, we are shutting down cause we're not going to do all this basic stuff anymore. So I got sent home and got paid pretty well to be on unemployment, but it was just kind of weird. It was just all, you know, I'd order food cause I was bored or I'd go to the store and spend like $400 worth on stuff. Cause I was nervous. We were going to run out of things and then, you know, sit there and binging on all the, all the programs I could find. And I don't know, it was just a, just a strange time, but, uh, I couldn't imagine a guy like yourself, you know, a wrestler likes to get out there and travel in the world. And, uh, not only that, man, uh, you know, music for you, man, that had to be tough for you to not to be able to go see, uh, some live music and things like that. I mean, like definitely for sure. You know, I keep a list of every show I, I've ever been to. And most years I kind of average 30 to 40 shows and 2020, I went to one show, <laughs> uh, all year. So that was, that was a bit of a bummer. And, and honestly, more of the, the bigger bummer for me is, is, you know, I play in bands as, as you're well aware. And, and not being able to do that because you know we have a practice space that we all share, but you know we're not um, we're not getting together because you know we have um, you know it's not advisable. Uh, we have we have different lives and we have different people that we interact with, and and so in the last year, I think I've had two or three band practices. Maybe mm. there was a period where things kind of restrictions eased a little bit in the summer that I got together with some people and played music once or twice. But other than that, I haven't been practicing regularly since before I went to Europe last year. And so that's been um, unfortunate. Although the one kind of shining light that's come out of that is that I've brought a lot of my guitar equipment home and I've been playing a lot more regularly at home because I've got all my, uh, 
my my gear and my effects and a bunch of different guitars to, to choose from that I normally keep in the practice <clears throat> space and uh, so that's been that's been good. I've I've been writing more and and playing more at home and I'm I'm hoping to um, to write and record some songs in the future of kind of a a solo thing that I've been kind of idealizing for years that I've never really had the time to do and now I've got the time to do it. So, you know, that's that's the positive that's come out of all of this. So you've so. kind of taken advantage of that time to just kind of work on your uh, your uh, your form, you know, the thing you do. But uh, just two things real quick, you know, you brought all that stuff home, your effects, all that kind of stuff. Uh, what do the neighbors think about that, first of all? I haven't playing with. I have not been playing with any distortion. That is the one thing that I <laughs> that I I do not do. And then uh, you know, I my my main amp that I play uh, normally when I, we play live or when we practice is a uh, is a Fender Twin Reverb, which is mm. um, you know it's a it's a combo amp. It's not like a big heavy like Marshall stack or something, but it, it, it's an eighty five watt amp and it's got some power to it. Like I, I normally only play it on like two or three. And it's still pretty loud, but uh, at home I've got uh, just a nice little compact uh, Fender Junior Blues uh, amp. It's only a 15 watt amp, and and it can get pretty loud. But uh, you know, I play it on on two or three at home, and it's a uh, it's a nice respectable volume, and and uh, my neighbors don't complain because uh, <laughs> I, I have the sense uh, to not to not play play it too loud or play it with any real distortion or, or any kind of fuzz. So it's a more kind of quiet, introspective kind of guitar music that I've been writing and playing at home. So, so it sounds like you're a Fender guy. I am a Fender. I am a Fender guy. Yeah. I mean, as far as amps go, I, I do like Fender amps. Uh, my main guitar that I play is a, is a Fender jazz master and then I, I also have a, a Gibson SG that I play. Oh, nice. Well, that's currently at uh, my practice space, so I, I haven't played that one in a while. <laughs> but, uh, but when it comes to, um, yeah, I, I'm definitely a Fender guy. And actually, it's funny, Fender actually posted 2020 was the best sales year ever for Fender, <laughs> which is crazy. But I think people needed a hobby, and so they decided to learn how to play the guitar. So. Yeah, man, you can jump on there, order it, have it delivered to your house. You know, and then you're you're in in business, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's funny, uh, Fender. I you know I haven't played for a while now. I was only half decent, but uh, my um, ukulele is a Fender ukulele. I didn't know that they made ukuleles. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, man. I that's didn't like either. The Cadillac of ukulele. <laughs> I was looking for a u- good ukulele. You know, one time I had a couple extra bucks. You know, back when I was playing a little more a few years ago, and. You know, I, I found it at one of the local music stores you go to to get instruments, right? You know, and I went in there and it was like, Fender, hmm. Oh, oh, and it plugs into an amp. All right, we're taking this home. It's a plug-in <laughs> ukulele. It is, my man. Uh, I'll make a little video and send it out to you sometime. I've never heard of such a thing. That's wild. Yeah, man, That's I played cool. it on some songs. Uh, me and my uh, wife, who sings amazingly, has a degree in music, by the way, Mrs. Clams. And also can play a few chords on the guitar and we did some stuff together, you know, a few years ago when we were younger and just had some good times with it. So, uh, man, I I love music. I'm a big music guy, man. Um, you know, music has kind of got me a little bit through this pandemic myself. Uh, my band Pearl Jam, they put out some live stuff on Nugs TV or Nugs.TV live, uh, shows, you know, that you can watch and stuff. It's really been a good time, but, uh, for you, man, uh, in uh, 2020 and here early 21, what are some of the uh, music or bands or albums, records 
that have gotten you through? Help get you through. Oh, good question. Um, I mean, 2021 is still pretty early. I uh, admittedly, uh, I'm trying to do a better job of keeping up with current music because um, it's something that I used to be really good about and constantly discovering new stuff and making mixes to, to send to friends. And, and uh, I'm a pretty avid record collector, so buying lots of new music. One thing I noticed, you know, 2020, uh, it was a struggle for me to keep up with new stuff because that's kind of my schedule and, and, and being busy with work um, and, and listening to a, a lot of podcasts, uh, to be perfectly honest, is just finding the right balance between having time to listen to music, having time to listen to podcasts, and, and just finding time in general. You know, I, I just I sometimes struggle when it comes to um just balancing all of that so um but the other thing was I, I buy a lot of records in seattle you know i'm in seattle you know multiple times a month and some of my favorite record stores are, are in seattle and, and honestly you get better prices on records in seattle so i didn't buy as much in 2020 as i normally would so um there was a struggle there but there was definitely lots of stuff that i i still bought and liked that came out last year. I am just trying to kill some time as I find my list. Uh, if you could not tell that I'm just trying to stretch this interview, as as they would say. Well, you're doing a phenomenal job just kind of, you know, keeping us all amused. Yeah, I, I can, that's one thing. I, I can talk. That is something that, that uh, is for sure in fact. So um, as far as LPs that I really loved in 20. Um, 20, probably my favorite record that came out and it was right at the beginning, uh, of the year, like pre pandemic. And I was lucky enough to get a copy of it when I was over in England because it's a British punk band and, uh, and it came out on a British label and I was able to, to get a copy while I was over there. Um, a band called Chubby and the gang, which is kind of a funny name for a band, but, um, they're young guys from England doing kind of like an old throwback, like eighties pub rock with a kind of a punk, you know, punk vibe, like really fast beats and, but really catchy, really, really catchy songs. And that's a band that I, I can't wait to be able to see them live. Um, <laughs> the album's called speed kills. It came out right at the beginning of 2020. And, and that one was probably the first record I heard all year. And it was my very favorite record I heard, um, throughout, throughout the year, honestly. Um, think of some other things there were a lot of um really amazing like singer songwriter uh, albums um uh, a band called waxahatchee that i love who um it's a it's a woman named katie crutchfield and it's her kind of solo project and she put out a record last year that was um it was basically a country record and and i'm not really a country <laughs> guy but um i love you know sometimes just the right kind of songwriting and arrangements can just can really hit you and she put out a record last year called saint cloud that i would recommend for anyone that just loves just really earnest um you know sad at times um you know just songwriting and, and she's got a really really pretty voice um so whack to hatchy saint cloud was one that i loved and then uh, on kind of a similar level there's a another singer songwriter named phoebe bridgers who put out an album last year called punisher that that i loved and, and that one's got it's really amazing production 
really great lyrics and and she's got a great voice as well um there's lots of good stuff, you know, that I love. There's some some really good punk and, and hardcore that I love. <laughs> a band called Tuche Amore put out a record that I liked a lot. Uh, a band called um, uh, do, 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 Jeff Rosenstock, who's another kind of punk singer-songwriter who put out uh, an amazing record. And, and you mentioned seeing Pearl Jam do, you know, some live shows. That was one thing that I thought a lot of people did because obviously we can't play shows. We can't tour. We don't have live bands. So there were tons of amazing um live streams going mm -hmm. up on, on youtube or on, on private you know streaming things that some bands would do for free or they'd put up for a small fee and uh, and jeff rosenstock is someone who did a, a live stream that i watched during the pandemic that was really fun and he put out a record last year called no dream hmm. that i that i really loved and and i think people would get a kick out of he's got some really smart and funny lyrics and his songs are really catchy and upbeat and and he's someone I saw live uh, a couple years ago, actually. Uh, I flew to Minnesota to see him live, uh, and it, it was a great show. And, uh, and so, yeah, there's, there's no shortage of stuff. Um, um, you know, great, great music in 2020. As far as 2021 goes, we're still pretty early on, but I will throw out uh, a quick um, shout-out to a friend of mine, Eric, and their band Hospital Bracelet put out an album a couple weeks ago that I've been spinning nonstop and, and I'm a really big fan of that record. So um, they'll probably not hear this, but anyone who's listening, uh, check out hospital bracelet. They put out uh, uh, an LP called South loop summer. That's, that's really good. And it's just kind of catchy pop punk, just fun vibes and, uh, and really, really catchy. So yeah, well, there's some things I just rambled on about, but, uh, you get me started and, and it's hard to stop me. So. <laughs> exactly, man. That's what we did the first time. We, I think we ever talked, we started talking a whole bunch of stuff and music and then we're from there, but I wrote that down hospital bracelet bracelet, excuse me. And then, uh, you said there was a country, uh, Waxahachie. That's, uh, it's like, uh, it's actually the name of a city. A, a couple of, there's Waxahachie in Texas. Cause I know that's where Dick Murdoch was always built from. <laughs> uh but uh this waxahachie is from alabama and i think it, it's uh, a city in alabama that they're naming after so. and then you name a, a country record of saint cloud with a uh, yeah so that's, nice that's the gal. waxahachie record the album's called saint that's cloud the okay the artist is is named waxahachie i think you, okay. you'll get a kick out of out of her her songs so that sounds good i kind of grew up on a lot of old school country like cash and willie and stuff so i really like the like country sound a little bit the old stories I, and things I, like that i mean I cannot stand new country. I think new country is the most vapid music on earth, if I'm being honest. But I, like you, have have a respect for the classics and and just kind of the artistry of that uh, that old kind of soul music. You know, the that uh, roots music is really what it yeah. is, right? So, and, and I I love that. Just you know that that vibe for sure. So. So, dude, man, well, and you've been off here, man. You've been keeping up on any uh, professional wrestling. You know, you haven't been able to. Uh, wrestle too much you know um so we're talking about you know you keep on up any uh aew roh wwe japan any of that kind of stuff yeah i mean i i i have definitely watched my share uh during all of this just to kind of get my fix you know i'm not able to go to shows live uh so much obviously um what 
what kind of stands out as highlights to me. Uh, I really loved Ring of Honor's return to uh, the whole pure wrestling vibe. And, and mm. I think a lot of that is due in part to Mr. Jonathan Gresham, who obviously is a star yeah. of that division for them. But I think he kind of really led the charge. And they did the, uh, the pure wrestling tournaments, uh, the return of the pure wrestling title in Ring of Honor over the uh, the summer and the fall of 2020. And, and I was following along with that for sure. That was that was like great episodic television for me uh, and kind of really just drove home that you can tell stories through wrestling, through the exchanging of holds in a ring. You don't really need any kind of extracurriculars. You don't need... Um, a lot of gaga you don't need a gimmick you you can just have two guys go in there and exchange holds and there's a so much drama that can be created and i think ring of honor did a great job of of showing that and and will continue to do so i think they've got a really interesting product nowadays so um lots of japan stuff you know i I always keep up on on the independence in japan um probably my two favorite wrestlers um to watch are um, a, a tag team in Japan called the Astronauts. And uh, it's two guys, Takuya Nomura and Fuminori Abe. And they mostly wrestle in a promotion called Big Japan Pro Wrestling. You'll sometimes see them wrestle uh, in a group called All Japan Pro Wrestling, which are you know contemporary groups of New Japan, which you know most Western fans are, are familiar with New Japan. But um, Big Japan and All Japan are, are kind of smaller groups. Uh, in in Japan and and the astronauts are are two of my favorites to watch. They work a really hard hitting, um, like action packed style, kind of rooted in in a lot of the kind of basics of of shoot and and mat based style wrestling. But they also are just like they're ass kickers and they they just they hit people really hard and they work really hard. And I love watching those two wrestle. They, they're in some of my favorite matches of, of 2020. And, and then I just like to keep up on the independents. You know, I'm, I admittedly am a shill for, for independentwrestling.tv. I think that's a, a, an amazing platform has allowed a lot of people such as myself to, to get our work out there and, and get seen by people literally all over the world and, and get to work for, you know, it's kind of a, a, a network of promotions, you know, if you you look up Daniel Macabe on hmm. on independent wrestling TV, you'll see I've worked for promotions um, all over the world and and the United States that are on there. You know, there's some great promotions here in the Northwest that have the product on there. Obviously, without a cause is is kind of my home here in the Northwest, and and all of their shows are on IWTV, but also Defy and DOA in Portland and and even Five CC in um bellingham have their shows up there and ECCW up here in british columbia have some of their shows on there and and then my home away from home suck based out of nashville tennessee you know some nice. of my absolute best friends in, that i've met in independent wrestling run that promotion and and uh and i will continue to work for sup and and uh and championing them and and their product is all found on iwtv so uh, you know, that's that's a subscription that I, I will never let lapse. I am constantly finding new things, both new and old to watch on there. And and, you know, as much as I love to watch 
you know, some of the, the biggest stars in, in worldwide in wrestling. I just like to watch my peers and, and I like to see <laughs> kind of where I fit in, in the world of wrestling. And it's an amazing tool for scouting opponents and, and getting to see kind of what else is out there and what are people doing and, and how can I take what people are doing and then put my own spin on it and, and really, uh, you know, I, I think that's amazing that a platform exists like that. You know, when I was getting into watching wrestling and tape trading in my, <laughs> my teen era, uh, I would have killed to be able to watch all of that stuff, uh, you know, let alone watch it live. Like, we have the opportunity to do so now it's oh. it's amazing honestly so yeah there's no shortage of great wrestling out there and and i've been keeping up with with uh that's the thing not everything that i like is going to be for you both you specifically or, or the people listening at home right but there's so many amazing mm-hmm. platforms that you know anyone who complains about not liking wrestling or there's not any wrestling out there that speaks to you you just need to look harder because there's so much great stuff that's available free or or rather inexpensively mm-hmm. and and there's going to be something out there that appeals to you i i'm pretty pretty certain of that oh man there's there's tons of it uh like you said uh you know when i was younger you know we had a few channels we could watch wrestling on you know but you had to be there at that time really to watch it unless you had a vcr right but um you know iwtv is just an amazing platform you know, there's so many, you know, like you said, local and where our local people wrestle. And so it's so much fun to jump on there. And when I was younger, I, I wouldn't have left my room if I had IWTV. <laughs> some people no kid, maybe no say no that kidding. about some other kind of uh, something TV on their on their computer. But uh, wrestling for me, man, I, I would have just sit there and sucked it up all day. It was just be amazing. I wouldn't have got if if we had the kind of streaming capabilities that we have now when I was in high school. I, there's no way I would have graduated. Like <laughs> I would have, been, I would have been watching all the Japanese stuff I could. I would have been watching all the hot independent stuff that I could. It, it would have been nuts. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, as it stood, I had to you know save up my money from working a part time job and, and send away for VHS tapes, and there was a limit to what I could could afford. You know. And, and then you'd have to wait for however long for things to come out and then ship to you, you know? So mm-hmm. not that I'm trying to turn this into a back, back in my day soapbox, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, more power to the youth of today who can actually function and, uh, can, you know, do their work and their, their schooling uh, with, with how readily available entertainment is nowadays. Oh, man. As a wrestler, it must be amazing to be able to watch that stuff. And as a wrestling fan which you're both. So to be able to watch all that is just like so much uh, fun and, you know, shows you've been at, you can go relive as a wrestler like yourself or as a fan myself, I've been to a wax show or a defy show or whatever it might be. Oh man, I can just watch that man. Now when it comes out, I can see what, maybe I didn't see what happened there, you know? So, so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Without, without a doubt. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to complain. And I'm someone who, I just like to go back and watch their matches and, and learn from them and, and study them. And, and uh, so it's nice to, to be able to do so re- uh, really uh, relatively easy is the word I was looking for. So, yeah, <laughs> man. And uh, you had mentioned uh, ring of honor kind of jumping back to this, you know, this, this more wrestling, you know, how did it make you feel? Some of those people were mentioning your name, 
you should be associated with Ring of Honor. You should be there. That was up on Twitter there for a while, man. You must have saw it, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I got tagged plenty of times for sure. You know, Ring of Honor uh, is something that, you know, I started watching that promotion <clears throat> right when they debuted in 2002, buying their VHS tapes and, and watching them with my friends. And, and it was kind of, uh, you know, the apex of, of independent wrestling in in the early to mid 2000s so you know seeing a lot of my my peers and and fans saying that they they think i should be a part of it um you know that's that's tumbling for sure and you know i have lots of people who i who have wrestled who i i consider friends who got to be a part of uh of that pure pure tournament you know um russ, russ taylor and fred yehi and and tony deppen <laughs> and you know jonathan gresham is someone who i've you know, been lucky enough to get to wrestle and, and someone who uh, I consider a peer and, and has, I've, I've learned a lot from and, and have uh, gotten to spend some time with and, and they're really championing this, uh, this style. And, and I hope when things open up again and, and I'm able to, to travel uh, a lot easier, you know, I could be a part of something like that. That would be, That'd be amazing. That'd be like uh, some true bucket list stuff right there for sure. Oh man, I was one of the people that saw that. I was like, I don't know. I think I just retweeted it or requoted it, you know, and said, "Yes, I would love to see that. I'd love to see Daniel Macabe on Ring of Honor TV. I'd love love to see you in some great, you know, just technical matches, man, like you always do." But uh, before we get to some of those matches, man, in 2019 and 2020, I want to ask you a couple questions from a couple fans, if you don't mind. Of course, yeah. Let's 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 hear it. Let's see. I got I got a couple going on here. Let's check it out here. My dude uh, Scotty, and that's uh, Scott. Excuse me, at Scotty Da seven eight on Twitter. Let's see if uh, if Daniel could fight any punk singer, who would it be and where? <laughs> I'm just going what they said, man. Man, oh boy. That's a good question. If I could have a wrestling match with any singer from a punk band, that's an interesting question. How do I gauge this? This is interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm. You know what? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna gauge this from. You know, I'm, I'm not actually gonna have a fist fight with this person because it's someone that I respect and I don't actually want to do harm to them. But it's someone who I think a you know, looks at things uh, very intellectually and uh, someone who I have a lot of respect for and is one of my favorite singers of all time. And I think if they were a pro wrestler, and I, I don't think they actually like pro wrestling this person, um, but I think if they were a pro wrestler, they, they would look at things from a similar kind of, um, you know, methodical and, and intellectual perspective. Uh, and that's Ian Mackay, who is um, the singer of... Um, of minor threat who, you know, are, are one of the most influential hardcore bands of all time. And then went on to, you know, be the singer of a couple other bands embrace. And then Fugazi who were, was his most longstanding band who ran all the way to the two thousands, super influential, uh, kind of indie post hardcore band. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he's one of my favorite musicians ever. And, and, uh, just, I think he's a really interesting human being. So I think if in Mackay was a pro wrestler, I think he would uh, um, look at things in an interesting light. And then, and then as I was saying that, I just had another kind of answer that came to mind. And that's uh, someone who I, I consider a friend. And that's uh, Mr. Damien Abraham. 
from the, the hardcore band Fucked Up um, from Toronto. And he's just a massive pro wrestling fan. And he's um, done been a part of some really amazing documentary stuff uh, to do with Vice. He did a series of documentaries called The Wrestlers. Anyone uh, listening at home to check out. But he's, uh, I think he would just be a wild man in the ring. And he's someone who I know has uh, a great deal of respect for pro wrestling. It'd be fun just to get to mix it up and, and do something creative with someone who I consider a buddy and uh, I think uh, would uh, also have a unique um, perspective when it comes to the pro wrestling. So, oh, very cool, awesome. Cool, cool question. Cool question. I've never asked that before. So. <clears throat> cool question, Scotty. But, uh, you know, he, Scotty sent me a few. I was like, hey, Scotty, you got a question, man. And he sent like four. I was like, Scotty, come on. I said one. He's like, I'm a little greedy. But I'll ask another one. And okay. uh, when the borders open, how quickly will a match versus Alex Shelley be booked? That's a big one. That's a, <laughs> that's a big one on, on the list. You know, Shelley is someone that I, I grew up, you know, we're talking about that early days of Ring of Honor. I was watching early Ring of Honor. I was watching IWA Mid-South. I was watching uh, other independents of, of that era. And Alex Shelley was someone who was, you know, someone me and my friends would go out of our way to watch his matches because he was having these amazing technical matches. And he's someone who would go on to be a part of, you know, TNA for, for quite some time and New Japan Pro Wrestling and, and just kind of a, a true journeyman in the last, you know, two decades, really. An amazing technician and not someone I ever expected uh, I would befriend via Twitter by a series of of uh, kind of dueling uh, guitar promo slash acoustic covers, I guess. But uh, <laughs> that is something that happened in 2020. I, uh, Alex Shelley and I became friends via the internet, and uh, I was lucky enough to get to meet him past October in Indiana when I was there for the collective, and we uh, we got to break bread, so to speak, uh, very briefly. And uh, that is a match that that will happen for sure. When things open up again, uh, I think Black Label Pro ha- probably has dibs on uh, booking that match uh, in Indiana. But I do know uh, of a certain promotion that, that runs in Everett, Washington, who very much would like to book that match as well. So, so let's let's make it a series. Let's you know there let's you do it on his home turf and let's do it on my home turf. Uh, that's someone I would love to wrestle, and and that would be a dream come true. But yeah, once once things open up, you better believe that match is going to happen in 2021. Everett, Washington. Who goes there to wrestle? Oh, wait. I, there's been a great thing that's happened there. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there there has been, and, and yeah, without a cause. I oh, think I'm they just would, joking. Uh, they would definitely be uh, up for, for booking that match and bringing, bringing Alex Shelley to the Northwest. So, uh, right, so right. yeah, let's let's see if it can happen. I, I'm, I'm going to push for it. So All right. Well, he's got another question or two, but I'm going to jump over here to my – what the hell just happened? Oh, I want everyone to know I just got a DM from uh, PCO about something, but I'm not going to share. But anyway. <laughs> Look at you name dropping my fellow Canadian, Pierre Carlouillet. How is uh, that greatness? Who, I'm talking to he, a Canadian and another Canadian DMs me about something. Yeah, PCO is is a legend. He's I've, I've never met the man, but he seems like a, a really stand-up great guy. And uh, and we follow each other on Twitter. So. Uh, so props to PCO for for what he's doing and having the the career resurgence. But, oh, he's, uh, he's not a... to sidetrack you, but you're the one who kind of name dropped. I him, did so it. I'm I was saying. like, I was trying to read my next question. All of a sudden, this thing popped up on my screen. I'm like, what the hell? But anyway, man, uh, my man over here on Twitter 
He's at Fred the Alien 316. Um, we may have talked about this back in the day on the very first podcast, but he asks, what made you want to pursue wrestling? And when did you know in life that's what you wanted to do? I think, you know, I, I started really watching it regularly when I was like six, seven years old, uh, WrestleMania seven. It's the first first wrestling show i ever watched with my with my dad on closed circuit and uh and then from there on i was hooked and i think from that point on i i knew i i wanted to wrestle there was something in me that that wanted to do it but um i never really thought that it would get to this point or that i that i would get the opportunities that, I, that i've got and it's you know life life changes and and things change and goals change as we kind of progress and as as things happen and so you know i never really wanted to wrestle professionally that wasn't something i was planning on doing and uh you know it's no secret i uh i was someone who backyarded uh quite regularly with my friends and uh we would travel all over the place for that and it wasn't until you know uh, someone who ran a school here locally you know, we, we were renting his ring to run our backyard shows. Mm. And after doing that for about six months, he kind of took us aside and said, you know, will you guys be interested in, in getting trained and, and actually wrestling on the local independent shows? And sort of went, oh, well, I guess that's the natural progression, you know? And so as things has have progressed, my goals have progressed and, and things have changed. And I tried to be someone who's... Um, adaptable and malleable and so so yeah you know I, I think part of me always thought that I would do this from a the ripe old age of six years old but the goals were were never really in place until they were and then as things happened they just sort of it just made sense to me you know well of course I'm going to be a wrestler and of course I'm gonna try and travel the world and and see and do as much as I can uh you know, when it comes to wrestling. And, and so I'm happy that I've, I've had the chances that I had and, and hopefully I'll have more chances, uh, in the future. Very nice. And then, uh, after that, he asked, uh, what were your, uh, some of your favorite, uh, wrestlers growing up? Uh, I mean, at full admission, you know, from a young age, I was, I was a Hulk Hogan and a, an ultimate warrior fan when I was, six years old i wasn't always uh drawn to the technicians like you'd think someone who wrestles the style that i do but uh from then on you know the, the obvious one being canadian is, is bret hart you know he was he was truly a, a, an icon when it comes to professional wrestling in this country and he's someone whose style you know i i grew to appreciate you know having more of a, a technical style that he would implore and then, uh, you know, kind of as I grew older, someone who whose work I really appreciated in my teen years was Dean Malenko, mm. um, you know, in WCW and then later in, in WWF, WWE, whatever. Uh, he's someone who, you know, didn't have a ton of charisma, but he, he had his own kind of style and, and his own kind of he, – he was weirdly charismatic in that he played that character – of, of the Iceman, of the Man of a Thousand Holds, of, you know, someone who was just kind of a no-nonsense, um, you know, technician. And that's something that was really inspiring to me because 
you know, I, you know, I'm not the best on interviews and, and I have my own kind of weird charisma, but it's not maybe what, um, the uh the greater public or or most people would consider uh to be um the traditional definition of charisma so um <laughs> Dimalenko is someone who i really appreciated at a young age and someone i definitely took influence from as as things progressed so those were definitely my favorites when i was younger and then you know as as i've aged and i've discovered more and more wrestling from from different styles and in, in different places I've, I've had other people that uh that have become uh, favorites and influences, but, but yeah, that, I hope that answers the question. <laughs> I think it did. That was a very nice answer, but, um, and then we'll jump back over to Scotty for his last couple of questions here before I move on to some of your matches you had in 2019 and 2020, but, uh, let's see who is his, who is Daniel's death match dream opponent? Are you a death match guy? I like watching them. Uh, I mean, I definitely kind of got desensitized to them and, and had to stop watching them because it feels like so much of uh, what was going on in, in 2020 pandemic wrestling was death matches. And I, I got kind of sick of it, but um, you know what? I, I think everything has, has a place in pro wrestling. I think there's something for everyone and, uh, and there's different styles for everyone. And I think even death matches, um, have their place, and I think if done properly, um, can be very effective and very dramatic. And you know what? I haven't done a, a true death match per se, um, but I am not opposed to it um, if it had the right place and and the right kind of circumstances. And, and I'd want to make sure that it it means something. You know, I why do something if it doesn't mean something? If it doesn't uh, tell a story that's interesting if it doesn't get a reaction from people. Um, and so the, the obvious answer to me is, is the King Nick Gage. He's, um, <laughs> he's, he's the master of the style. He's someone who, who really understands the style and can have really enthralling and engaging dramatic matches that are hyper violent. Um, and he just has such a larger than life personality and, you know, full admission, I was supposed to wrestle him last April in Tampa uh, as a part of the collective, uh, you know, the series of independent shows that were happening, uh, coinciding with WrestleMania last year. That series of shows and, and all of that obviously got canceled. But, um, you know, he's currently nursing uh, a knee injury and he's going to be out for, mm. I think he requires surgery, actually. So I don't know when he'll be coming back, but when he does... Uh, yeah, he's on the list of opponents for sure. I want to wrestle Nick Gage and, uh, and that's a big one for me. And, and whether it's a death match or, or not, um, remains to be seen, but, uh, if the circumstances are right, yeah, I'll have a death match with Nick Gage. I'm, I'm not opposed to that whatsoever. So Daniel, what do you think about the, uh, the, the blood aspect of that kind of stuff? Uh, I, I mean, I, you know, I've bled in matches. I, I think blood has a, has a place. I mm -hmm. think, you know, the old saying is red equals green, right? I, I think <laughs> I think so much of it is that um, people have kind of found a way to make it not mean anything and not, not significant. And so I, you know, I, I haven't bled in a match in quite some time. 
but I but I have bled in matches, and I'm not opposed to bleeding in matches as long as there's a reason for it. And so, you know, um, yeah, I have no issues with with blood and wrestling. It's you know, it adds a level of drama, and uh, and it certainly has its place in wrestling. It has since the dawn of time. So, oh, I I agree. You know, there's some people that don't think it should be involved anymore. I think in the right place, the right time. You know, don't do it all the time. But there's no and, matches. And, and yeah, just don't be foolish about it, and, yeah. and be safe about it, and and yeah, for sure. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. But uh, you know, speaking of matches and some of your matches, man, uh, I'm just kind of looking back through here, the start of 2020, man, uh, man. You really had some great matches. You know, let's talk about that one you had, uh, you know, just real quick on, uh, was it uh, October 9th, 2020, um, with uh, Lee Moriarty? Yeah, Lee Moriarty. Moriarty, um, thank you. That was, uh, that was a big one. That was a big one. That was, you know, I hadn't wrestled in almost seven months mm. um, after the long layoff, you know, the the onset of COVID and, and whatnot. And, and that's uh, a match that was offered to me to, um, to be a part of the collective, which was a series of independent shows running in Indianapolis, um, specifically on the show uh, run by my good friends at, at Southern Undergrow Pro, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, they, they kind of laid it out for me. You know, Lee was the, the breakout star of 2020 as far as I'm concerned. And he's someone who fancies himself uh, a technician. And so that was a match that a lot of people were talking about all year, wanting to see. Hmm. And when that match got announced, there was a lot of buzz. There was a lot of people saying, this is going to be the match to beat uh, for the entire collective. You know, 12 shows in the same venue over the course of three days. And this is a match that a lot of people had circled as being, you know, the match to, to watch out for. And, I mean, it was one of my best matches all year, if not my my best match that I had uh, last year. And um, that was kind of the goal. You know, I uh, admittedly, I would have liked to have had more matches that weekend. It just wasn't in the cards due to scheduling and, and due to just kind of the timing of everything. But, you know, if I was going to have one match in this big weekend with all these people watching, you know, my goal was to, to go out there and, and have the best match that weekend as far as, you know, I was concerned. And uh, for a lot of people, that that's what I did. And, uh, and it's a match I'm, I'm very happy with and I can hang my hat on. And I do not think it's the last time you're going to see me wrestle Lee Moriarty. I mean, he's <laughs> he's a really young guy. He's a really exciting uh, wrestler to watch and I think he's only going to get better from here and I think there's a lot more for us to do and I think a rematch is going to be awesome when when it happens and, and where it happens I'm not sure but um, but yeah that was an amazing match that was um, you know it was, it was really uh, self fulfilling to be able to <laughs> take seven months off and uh, and don't get me wrong I, I worked out and I trained uh, to to be prepared for that match. It wasn't like, you know, not wrestling for, for seven months and then just like riding a bike getting in there. But <laughs> but but you know, like I, I hadn't hadn't had any matches in seven months and, and being able to go in there and uh very little practice um have a match that uh delivered like that one did. Well, um that's what yeah, I was gonna that ask was, basi- that was fulfilling for ba- sure. That's what I was gonna ask basically man. How 
how tough was it for it to get up for that match? You couldn't train like you usually do. You know, I don't know how that goes, but man, how was it uh, kind of getting your man, your mind and your body ready for this match? I mean, I, I, I got really tired. Don't get me wrong. There's definitely moments in that match where I was not wrestling to my usual level or to my usual kind of speed uh, that I normally try to because I was just, you know, there, there's only so much cardio you can get just from working out or riding a bike. You know, there's a certain level that you can't recreate unless you're in a wrestling ring. And there's that actual level of resistance from uh, an active opponent. So, um, you know, I, I definitely got tired. <laughs> mm-hmm. I assure you, I, I was very tired by the end of that match. But, um, you know, I, I just did what I could and I, I kind of got through it. And uh, yeah, I wasn't able to train the way that I normally would like to. And I wasn't, you know, normally I'm working, you know, every weekend, basically, and mm-hmm. having matches. And that just kind of keeps you in ring shape. And uh, that wasn't a possibility. So, we, we may do the best we could. Oh, man. Well, you know, right before that, you did, uh, or not right before that, excuse me, uh, jumping back to uh, early 2020, you know, you did, had a little run at uh, PC Dub, man. Uh, PC Dub, Road to Glory. You know, it uh, looks like you had uh, a few matches there, and one that kind of looks out to me is uh, you got to take on the uh, the guy that played uh, Chris Benoit in those uh, series over there on... Uh, Oh man, uh, suddenly it doesn't come to me, but Tyson, dark, dark, dark side of the ring. Thank you very, very much. Nice. Yes. Uh, Tyson, man. And, uh, I got to talk to that guy one time, really super nice guy. Uh, man, how'd that, uh, weekend or how'd that, uh, day go for you? Those two days. Yeah. So that was, that was a tournament for PCW in, in Preston, uh, Preston, England. Um, that was the aforementioned, uh, shows I was talking about when I was, uh, in England as the pandemic was starting and so um it was it was very cool so the the day before the first round of that tournament uh, i wrestled another canadian named psycho mike and that was in blackpool which is a a seaside town in in the northwest of england and it was in uh the blackpool circus like literally an old victorian era building in the round so seats on all you know all sides of you where they still to this day hold the circus and it was one of the most amazing venues I've ever wrestled in inside <laughs> of. Um, and when we're done here, I'll send you some pictures of, of the venue and you're, you're going to be blown away. Honestly, it's, oh, man. it's so cool. But, um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was cool to get to wrestle for those, uh, for those guys that, uh, you know, they're very hospitable and, uh, getting to wrestle in Blackpool was, was cool. And then getting to wrestle in Preston the next day, you know, Tyson Dukes is, is a name who's been around in independent wrestling for, you know, since the nineties, he's someone that, uh, I was watching back then. And, um, you know, he's, he's someone who's still spreading the good word of technical wrestling and, and old school wrestling and someone I, I'd met a couple times before. And I have uh, <laughs> just the utmost respect for he's such a, uh, uh, smart and, and, um, just, just really nice guy, really, really nice guy, really good teacher. I love his series uh, of tutorials on, on YouTube that he's done in the recent memory. And uh, that match was really fun. You know, we only had like seven or eight minutes, um, but we basically just went out there and just kind of called it in the ring. And, <laughs> and we just kind of did it old school. We just a couple of, of wrestlers going out there and, and exchanging holds and, 
and really just feeling the vibe. And, and I have a really distinct memory of uh, coming back from that match. And both of us were pretty happy with it and, nice. and sort of saying, man, man, I'd love to get that, to do that again. And, and maybe get to wrestle you for more like 15, 20 minutes, as opposed to, you know, the seven or eight that we had. And, and if I, if I recall correctly, he kind of turned to me and said, Hell, I'd, I'd love to wrestle you for 30 minutes. You know, mm. I, I think we, uh, we really could mix it up in there. So, you know, I, I keep a, a personal kind of note uh, on my phone of, of people that, um, you know, I want to wrestle some, some that I have wrestled, some that I haven't wrestled, but yet, you know, people that I want to get to wrestle at least one more time before I, I hang it up whenever, whenever that may be. Mm. And, Tyson Dukes, as far as, you know, fellow Canadians go, he's someone that I think we, we could have a really great match, but but that match was fun. You know, to be perfectly honest, I still haven't seen it (laughs) this day. Um, the video has never come out similar. Uh, another match I had that day against, um, you know, Russ, Russ Taylor, who's, who's now in NXT as, as Tyler Russ. Mm -hmm. Um, that was another really fun technical match short match again we only went like maybe five or six minutes but that was a match that I, that both of us were really happy with after the fact and i still haven't seen it and no one's ever seen it and and i'm hoping <laughs> both the match against tyson and the match against russ see see the light of day at some point because well, uh those those were were really fun matches as a fan of yours and a couple of these guys, I'd love to see those matches. And, uh, you know, I did ty- talk to Tyson on the podcast one time. He was nice enough to do a uh, show with me and uh, only had great things to say about you, my friend. Oh, wow. That's that's very flattering because, uh, yeah, he's he's great. He's, uh, he's kind of the elder statesman of, of Canadian technical wrestling. I'd, <laughs> I'd love to some at some point be where, where he's at because he's, uh, yeah, no, he's great. Ah, it was a great conversation with him, but, uh, you know, it looks like it was an extended tour here over here with a lot of matches here in March. Uh, but tell us about that ambition tournament, man. Yeah. So you're, you're referring to ambition 12, which was, uh, the third ambition tournament that I had done for WXW. So WXW is based in Germany and, uh, ambition is uh, a little tournament that they've done, you know, uh, dozen times now that is more of a, a shoot or a realistic style of wrestling it's um all submissions and the only way you can win is by submission or knockout there's no pinfalls and there's there's you're not permitted to exit the ring at any point it's a really fast-paced style of wrestling you know matches typically only go like six seven minutes but they're all action uh really intense they're one night eight man single elimination tournaments. So to win one of those, you got to win three matches back to back to back in, in the course of about an hour and a half, two hours or so. And um, I had previously done two uh, of those for them in 2019, one in Toronto <laughs> and one in Oberhausen. And, uh, and in, yeah, this most recent one, ambition 12 as a part of WXW 16 carrot weekend. And, uh, not only did I go all the way to the finals for for my second consecutive one, but but uh, I won it over uh, another great British wrestler, Chris Ridgway. Yes, sir. Uh, in the finals, and uh, someone you may have seen, uh, he wrestled uh, for Defy. Actually, yes. Um, he was over here uh, at one point. So, 
um yeah that was um that was amazing just for for wxw to have confidence to put me in these tournaments because it's not a style that that everyone can do and and let alone you know to have the the kind of matches that i've had against some of the some of the opponents i've got to wrestle in those tournaments and uh and getting to win one uh this most recent one was was yeah that was one of the most uh, amazing accomplishments of, of my career absolutely oh man and you know like you said it's, it, it's got to be fantastic this company puts their uh, trust in you and uh how cool was it at the end you're the guy getting your arm raised with uh whatever trophy or whatever it might have been yeah it was cool it's, it was a trophy that that had a lid on it that was quite loosely uh attached to the trophy and I'm gonna say conservatively, I bumped the lid off that trophy like a dozen times, <laughs> just like it being presented to me, and then posing with it, and then exiting the ring, and then entering the ring later that evening when I when I was on another show, and and they had me come out with the trophy just to kind of say like, hey, here I am, the guy who won ambition earlier uh, this afternoon, and also by the way, I'm gonna knock lid off again because that's just the thing that i couldn't help doing so yes it was it was an amazing accomplishment but uh definitely led to some embarrassing moments as i couldn't keep the damn lid on the trophy <laughs> oh man that's great and then uh man uh just jumping back a little bit look like you had another little uh tournament there at uh strong style series uh at uh let's see here at st louis anarchy yeah, it's funny. Uh, from about the middle of 2019 on, I basically was, was continually getting booked in tournaments. That's something that people uh, felt the need to do. And, and, and <laughs> you know, subsequently, I've, I've won quite a few. You know, I uh, was a part of the Scenic City Invitational in the summer of 2019 in, mm -hmm. in Greater Chattanooga, Tennessee. And that, that was a, a career highlight as well as well as being involved in some some other tournaments locally and abroad. But uh, Strong Style Series was a promotion, uh, a tournament being run by a promotion called St. Louis Anarchy. Uh, it was a one-night tournament. Again, it was all uh, it was all knockouts or pinfalls, no submissions, which doesn't really suit me as, as a professional wrestler. So <laughs> funny that they should, should have me enter the fray, but uh, I adapted as I do. Uh, being uh, the wrestling genius that I am. And again, that was three matches in the course of an evening over about two and a half hours uh, against some very game opponents. Um, Gary J, Kurt mm -hmm. Stallion, who's now in, in WWE NXT, and uh, another um, really uh, underrated uh, technician and, and uh, old school wrestler that I have a really strong respect for, a gentleman named Thomas Shire mm -hmm. from the... Uh, from the St. Louis area. And so, yeah, that was, that was a hell of a tournament. That was a lot of fun. St. Louis Anarchy is a promotion that I've been watching for a long time. I have lots of friends who've worked there for many years and uh, I was really happy to get to work there in front of, you know, they've got a great fan base there and that's a promotion definitely on my short list for <laughs> when things kind of get back to normal. I, I want to go back to St. Louis and I want to wrestle for those fans again. Oh man, let's bring it in a little bit closer to home now. Let's talk about Everett, man. Uh, a match that I was there to witness in, man, it was just so much fun. You got to take on the one and only Warhorse for the IWTV Independent Wrestling title, man. And uh, a great time 
maybe you didn't come out on top, man, but it was a fun time for us fans. Yeah, I mean that we as as of uh, press time as we're doing this interview, that was uh, the one year anniversary of that match was was about a week ago, oh, yeah. and uh, definitely some people talking about it online. Uh, just a, a great memory, you know. It was the last time that I worked for Without a Cause because I uh, unfortunately missed their last show actually because I was in St. Louis, so <laughs> that's why I wasn't a part of of the last WAC show before everything got shut down. But uh, you know, it was the first show of 2020 for Without a Cause. It was against Warhorse, someone who, uh, you know, I consider not only a peer, but I consider a friend, uh, having previously wrestled him in uh, Tennessee mm. for uh, Southern Underground Pro uh, a couple years prior. Um, you know, it was for a belt that I have a ton of respect for, and I think is just a really cool title in the kind of realm of professional wrestling in uh, you know, the current climate, the independent wrestling title, something that's defended on, you know, IWTV affiliate promotions. All of, you know, the defenses are either, you know, on live streams or, or they go up on, on delay on, on IWTV. I think that's just kind of a cool throwback to the old, you know, touring champion NWA days. Like, that's just <laughs> yeah. so cool that something like that can exist. And so not only did I get to wrestle for that belt, it was the first time that belt was ever defended on the West Coast. There had never been a, a prior defense of it in, in Oregon or in California or in British Columbia. The first one was that afternoon in Everett, Washington. And, and that's something you can never take away from me. I was the first guy to ever challenge for that belt in the Pacific Northwest on the West Coast. You know, a, a place that I hold near and dear to my heart. And uh, you're quite right. I, I didn't uh, come out uh, successful that day, but uh, I, I think I'll have uh, I'll have another crack at that belt at some point down the line. And uh, and yeah, that was that was a big one. That was that was a cool match, and uh, mm. that was a cool moment getting to do that in front of uh, you know the, the hometown crowd that uh, has really done so much to support me. And and I wouldn't be you know, half the wrestler who, who's had all these opportunities if it wasn't for the support that I've gotten, you know, here in, in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, man, you're loved here in the Pacific Northwest. But let me talk about another match, another opponent, another, you know, I, I, I know you're proud of this one, and I know your opponent's proud of this one because he's brought it up quite a few times, and that's Kevin Koo, man. Talk about wrestling that dude, and, uh, you know, how did that all go down? Uh, yeah, he, we, that match, we, we both seemingly like to bring up because <laughs> it's one that was kind of, uh, I don't know if it was overlooked, but uh, maybe, a, maybe a smidge. And, uh, that one happened in, um, the basement East in Nashville, Southern underground pro my home away from home. You know, if, if whack is my, uh, my Northwest home, then the Southern underground pro is, is my home, uh, outside of the Pacific Northwest. And, I love that venue. I love those people. Uh, I love it. You know, wrestling in Nashville. I've gotten to do it a, a few times now, and that's a match that just that meant a lot for me. Um, you know, behind the curtain, kind of peeling back the curtain. Uh, you know, Kevin Koo and I are are really good friends. He's someone I consider a, a really good, close, personal friend that I that I've met through uh, through this crazy independent wrestling thing. You know, you meet a lot of people. And you have a lot of acquaintances and you're, you're in and out of locker rooms and you see familiar faces. And it's, it's cool getting to run into people that maybe 
haven't seen in a year or a few years or people in Europe or on these coasts that you don't regularly see. And, and, and Koo's someone who's become uh, definitely more than that to me is someone I consider uh, a dear friend as sappy as that sounds. And so, uh, you know, when we got the opportunity to have that match in front of uh, that fan base, that was a big one, man. And, and we went out there and we just pour into each other and, and mm-hmm. full admission. I actually rewatched that match uh within the last week and that one still holds up for me as, as one of my best matches i've had in recent memory you know we <laughs> we really laid on into each other hard there was some really good just like old school snug pro wrestling guys exchanging holds try to you know try to tear each other's head off and and then try to you know hard strikes and 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 some big moves and and, you know, we told a, uh, an interesting story. Again, it all circles back to, you know, what I mentioned when it came to that Ring of Honor pure tournament, you know, telling stories within the context of a pro wrestling match without any fanfare, just two guys in there exchanging holds. And, and that's what Ku and I did that afternoon in, in Nashville, you know, all the way back in, in January. And that match is, is up on IWTV. It's also on YouTube. So if, if you don't have an IWTV subscription, and, and you should, I get it. If you don't, there's lots of there's lots of things for us to subscribe to. But um, <laughs> if you haven't seen that match, I, I really would appreciate if uh, uh, you check it out. It, it's free on YouTube, and uh, that was a big one for me. That was that was important for sure. I I really appreciate you bringing that one up too. And uh, oh man, and yeah, yeah no, I, I love doing it, and I I am 100 confident that given the opportunity. You will see a rematch with Kevin Koo at some point. That's 13 minutes and 13 and 39 minutes of gold, gold people. Check it out, man. Good stuff. And, uh, man, uh, how many times you've been on the, uh, defy cards right now? Has it been twice? Just the one time, just, uh, that same weekend. I was uh, a surprise. The first defy show of 2020, I was a mystery opponent for for Ravenous Randy Myers. There we go uh, to kick off that show, and uh, that was cool too. And that was a long time coming, you know. That was um, I'm kind of happy the the way that it all went down too. You know, it was it was a surprise. I literally showed up that that evening, came in through the back without any fans seeing me. Uh, you know, it wasn't until my music hit that I that I was able to <laughs> finally grace the uh the presence of washington hall that that so many uh you know wrestlers and fans here in the northwest will speak so highly of and and you know props to defy for what they've done over the last couple years they've really carved a niche for themselves here in the northwest and um i I honestly thought at a point there was a point where i would never get to wrestle for defy and uh (laughs) it was cool it was cool finally getting to do it and uh i don't think it'll be the last time it happens but uh it was a cool kind of uh, way to make my debut. And, and honestly, the, what was even kind of cooler about it for me was that was the same weekend that I was wrestling not only Kevin Koo in, in Nashville, but I also wrestled uh, Kurt Stallion for mm-hmm. New South in in Fort Payne, Alabama. That match is also on IWTV. And so it was it was a busy weekend getting to wrestle in three states in three consecutive evenings. And <laughs> as soon as that match with Randy was over... I went to the back. I got changed. I uh, said my pleasantries to all those kind of running the show and, and whatnot. And then I got in my car and I drove to the airport and I got on a plane and I flew to Nashville uh, that evening. Like I, by the time, you know, 
from from getting out of the ring to getting on an airplane. I, it was maybe two hours. Oh wow! And uh, and then then I was in a, a whole other uh, city doing it doing it all over again the next day. And honestly, that's that's the lifestyle. That's uh, that's what being a pro wrestler is. And and uh, I definitely miss it. It seems stressful. It seemed crazy uh, to literally go from you know not even getting a shower as gross as that sounds, uh, <laughs> you know like <laughs> literally uh, you know getting out of the ring after having a, a hard fought match and then and then going straight to the airport and doing it all oh, again man. the next day and and I love it I miss it it's uh, it's kind of gross and it's kind of crazy but it's it's what we do it's uh, it's what drives us you know oh my gosh man let me just ask you about a couple more opponents and then. I'm probably going to let you go for the night because we've been going for a long time, my friend, uh, just like we always do. But, uh, you know, what about, uh, you know, moving on from Defy back to uh, let's let's bring up a DOA opponent, man. Effie. Effie coming in, taking on the one and only Daniel Maccabe, man. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Effie is kind of... Uh... Effie is such a um, a unique performer in uh, this current kind of climate of independent wrestling. Someone I have the utmost respect for because they've really done it their own way, you know. And they, uh, Effie's carved his own niche uh, when it comes to independent wrestling, and there, there's truly no one else out there like like them. And uh, I uh, that was a really fun match, a hard hitting match. Uh, I definitely, I kind of kicked the crap out of Effie and I felt bad about it after the, after, uh, after the fact, but, uh, someone that, that I also consider uh, a friend now who, you know, I've, uh, spent some time with and, and really gotten to get to know a little bit and, uh, just a really cool human being. And, uh, that was a really fun match. That was a cool show. And those DOA shows in general, you know, I, I love getting to go to Portland you know, once a month, it's it's a bit of a hike for me. You know, it's like five, six hours each way. And, and quite often I'm doing it, you know, I'm doing that return trip uh, in a day. And um, and that's kind of crazy. But again, that's independent wrestling. And <laughs> I, I love I love the people who run those shows. I love the fans. The venue is really cool and it's fun. It's a, it's a comedy club that one, you know, once a month they have uh, they have wrestling and it's it's a spot that I miss getting, getting uh, to go, you know, every month basically. And, mm. uh, you know, my last couple of matches that I had for DOA before things shut down uh, right at the beginning of 2020 was against uh, another Pacific Northwest guy, uh, Kane Jaden, who oh, yeah. uh, I think is really underrated. And, and I really hope it's more opportunities outside of the Northwest when things kind of open up again. It's someone that I have, uh, really good chemistry with. We have really cool matches, really fun matches. It's a good mix of of his high flying style with with my more technical style. But honestly, I love just getting the opportunity to to be a base and be mm. someone who who takes all the crazy high flying stuff and and find new and interesting ways to incorporate it in with my style. And so, yeah, DOA has been been a, a group that's given me a platform. Um, you know, I'm I'm still technically the DOA uh, Northwest Pure Champion. That's uh, a belt that they have, they have, similar to the, you know to the Ring of Honor Pure Title. DOA has their own version of it, 
And I've been the champion for going on almost a year now. I beat Kane for that that belt at the beginning of February. Yeah. Actually, it was the afternoon of the Super Bowl last year oh, yeah. that I that I won that belt. And uh, I've had one successful defense uh, against Kane. And, and then I've had the belt for a year and I haven't had uh, anyone to defend it against. So, um, you know, once things open up again, I, I 100% want to be going back to Portland uh, and uh, defending my belt there. And just wrestling for the people in Portland. I, I love that city, and and I love DOA. So. Oh man, and uh, you know, one more wrestler before we head out, and then we're gonna go to these uh, final things. Tony Deppin, man, uh, whack. You're one. VFW post twenty one zero zero in Everett, man. Uh, how much fun was that for you? Tony Deppin, someone I've known since uh, you know he was literally a teenager, and I was in my early twenties. And uh, we were both kind of a part of the same underground uh, backyard circuit, you know, that we crossed paths when we were younger and we'd known each other for, you know, well over a decade. And we finally got to lock it up, um, you know, the previous summer in Chattanooga as a part of the Scenic City Invitational. And we, we knocked it out of the park and we had a match that people were talking about all weekend, both live in the venue and, and online and, and around the world. And then, you know, we we both kind of laid the gauntlet down and said, who's going to be the promotion to book to book the return match? Who's going to book, you know, Maccabi Deppin 2? And <laughs> without a cause, stepped up to the plate and they brought Tony Deppin to the Northwest for the first time. And the natural matchup to make was against me. And uh, that, was, that was cool, man. I, I love getting to wrestle Tony. He's someone who is super creative, super athletic. You know, we don't actually really have that similar of a style when it comes to wrestling. But I think he's just go, 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 and super high impact and super high energy. And and I just add a lot of interesting technique and kind of um, methodical, um, uh, you know, methods of, uh, of, of pro wrestling. And I think our styles just mesh really well. And our personalities, uh, you know, we're, we're very different people, but it doesn't change the fact that, that we're buddies and we love to get to work with each other when we get the opportunity. And, and honestly, the, the bigger disappointment for me is that no one else has stepped up to the plate to book, to book a third match, you know, and, <laughs> and I'm 2-0 against Tony Deppin. And so, uh, you know, he still has to beat me, but I think that's a match that we could run back all over the country all over North America and you're, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get an exciting, hard hitting, just kick-ass independent pro wrestling match. And uh, that's another one that I'm looking forward to uh, getting to do again. Uh, you know, I could wrestle him forever. I wouldn't get tired of it. I think and we wouldn't have the same match <laughs> twice. You know, it would be, it'd be something that'd be new and creative every night out. 100%. Oh, my man, we could go on here all night. Eddie Osborne, Eric Stevens, um, freaking, you know, lots of lots and lots of people. Ethan HD, Spider Warrior, Guillermo Rosas, you know, Hammerstone. You've wrestled them all, my man. What's left for Daniel Maccabi? I mean, like, I'm not getting any younger, but but the fact of the matter is there's a whole lot of people I still need to wrestle. There's a whole lot of places I still need to go. I want to go back to Europe. I, I want to go back all over the United States, to the South, to the Northeast, to the Midwest. I've never wrestled in California. 
you know um the northwest i just want to wrestle in seattle and portland it's a two-hour drive from here but i can't even drive to seattle now which oh is, man it's crazy to me you know um i want to wrestle in japan i want to wrestle in mexico if there's a place i haven't been i probably want to wrestle there and you know i i'm not getting any younger but i still have so much to accomplish and you know to be perfectly honest, if everything ended nowadays, I, I really, I, I couldn't be upset. You know, I've accomplished <laughs> so much more than I ever thought I'd have the opportunity to do. And, uh, and I've done some really cool things over the last, you know, three years specifically, but, uh, you know, I've, you know, been wrestling for, for quite a bit longer than that, but, um, but I'm selfish, you know, <laughs> I still, uh, have so much more that I want to do and I think I deserve to do and and there's a lot of people out there who have have come to know me over the last couple of years but there's still a lot of people who don't know who Danny Makabe is who have not gotten to see the wrestling genius wrestle either you know on a on a video on their computer or or better yet live and in person you know yep. and so if you get a chance to see me wrestle and, and hopefully you do very soon uh, you know I implore you please come check out you know, I, I am through and through an independent wrestler, and uh, and I don't think that's ever going to change. Uh, I'm someone who who really thrives in an independent scenario, and I, you know, want to champion independent wrestling. I want to mm. be uh, a, a world traveled independent wrestler who can be proud of his work and have people, you know, be entertained, but also have my peers kind of go out there and go, that guy is among the best to do it, and that's someone that I personally want to wrestle. And, and so, uh, yeah, there's a lot to do and <laughs> I'm itching to do it. I don't know that I'm going to get to do it anytime soon, but, uh, as soon as I get the opportunity to, you better believe I'm going to jump on it and, and I'm going to be coming to a town near you and I'm going to be doing what I do best. And, uh, and I really appreciate anyone who gives me the opportunity and, uh, and we'll see when, when it happens, it's going to happen. All right, my man. I'm going to use that as your final thoughts for this podcast. Dude, merchandise. Where can we get anything for Matt Daniel Maccabi? I mean, I got I really don't have anything right now. You know, I did I did a little bit of a run in the last fall uh, to kind of coincide with the match that I had with Lee Moriarty with the collective. I I did a new t-shirt, but uh in the time being, um you know, I don't really have anything on the go. Um when when there's more matches in the future, uh, you know the the best thing you can do is follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram at Daniel Makabe, D A N I E L M A K A B E. If there's new merchandise to be had, if there's new matches coming up down the pike, that's where you're going to find out about them. Follow me on social media. You'll also maybe discover some new music that you haven't heard of because I'm making <laughs> daily music recommendations on my Twitter, and uh, or maybe. You'll get uh, a little bit of a refresher on something that you do know that you haven't listened to in, in a little while. And so, yeah, follow me on social media. If there's anything new going on, new merch to be had, et cetera, et cetera, that's where you're going to find out about it. All right, my man, Daniel Maccabe. Everyone, go over, follow him on social media, check out his matches on IWTV, you know, pull it up on uh, YouTube, whatever you need to do. This guy is phenomenal and he's a uh, a great friend of pacific northwest wrestling daniel have a good night my friend thank you i appreciate it you too
this episode recorded at the Bigfoot headquarters. This has been a Swagamore production. Production.